Exodus 18, fantastic chapter. So there I was, uh, finally out of lockdown, months of just being cooped up with the family and the kids. We get away on holiday in August. Uh, we found a nice campsite on the Devon coast. Fantastic. The, uh, the sun is nowhere. The sky is grey. The clouds omnipresent. The drizzle chronic. Uh, but in the background there's this lovely humdrum of my kids fighting, squabbling, screaming, and I'm just trying to zone it all out. Um, but then a, a scream pierces my consciousness as one says to the other, you can't say that, that's a lie. And that's against the Ten Commandments. Ah, okay. Some sort of moral fibre, some sort of moral consciousness has worked its way into my children. Uh, a moment of thanks for our Sunday school teachers, SJ Pod, please take a bow. And uh, there I was, and so there this man Moses has influenced my children. What a great guy this guy Moses was. Imagine that. And here, uh, Exodus 18, I think is a critical chapter in their journey. Really, really interesting, a pivotal chapter in his leadership and how he does it. And uh, I have to be honest, but when I first got sent this by Brian to speak on, I was like, really? This, do I have to, and? Don't really get it, but um, as I've thought about it, uh, I just love this chapter. And I'm just gonna draw out three really simple points. Really simple points, not profound. Most of you thinking, no change there, Ed. Uh, but really simple, and yet, um, they can influence us profoundly if we let them. And in the weeks that I've been thinking about this, I've been trying to allow these three simple points to influence me directly. Um, and I'd encourage you uh, to sit at these really simple points I'm gonna share and try and make them change your life. Um, so, uh, where are we in the story? Well, obviously they've had this incredible release from slavery. They've been released from oppression. They're on this journey to the promised land. They're still wandering around the desert. Life is still tough. Uh, but I love that, that sense of, you know, at, we're on a similar journey. It's a wonderful metaphor for us in our lives. I often think those who are recovering from homelessness or addiction or whatever it may be, abuse, Actually, it's very similar to the journey the Israelites went on. Sometimes they have this great spiritual encounter, this great release from captivity, a uh, wonderful sense of God moving. And then 40 years, a long time where they have to learn, where they have to receive some tough love. They have to understand some biblical commandments, be discipled and, and so on and so forth. And slowly but surely, God is molding us all towards the promised land into a people fit for him, ready to take the promised land as it is for me as it is for the Israelites uh, I am yes I am converted and I am in the process of being converted into what God wants me to be and there's a sense that in this chapter they were they were they've had that amazing release from captivity and they've just kind of hit the, the buffers they, they, the wheels are spinning in the sand and God just changes something in them uh, and the way they're set up so that they can develop from there and as he spoke to Moses, maybe also let's pray he can speak to you, to me, to us all corporately. So that's the context. 
Uh, and the story is a simple one. It's uh, Moses is there. He's the top dog of the Israelites. They're all camped around in the desert. It's hot. Um, and he is under strain. He is working from morning till evening. And he's under strain. Uh, he's stressed, no doubt. He's struggling. Um, and his father-in-law comes along. And so he does an amazing thing. He really humbles himself. He welcomes in this guy, this elder man. Uh, into his home, he gives him time, he tells him the wonderful stories of what's happened to him and through that telling of those stories actually his father-in-law comes to faith. Uh, but then despite that Moses was able to humble himself towards his father-in-law and receive some advice and then he put into action his advice and that released Moses to be the spiritual leader that God needed him to be. So that's the story. I encourage you to read tonight, Genesis 18. It's fantastic. There are lots of great little nugget verses in there in that really simple story. But let me just start with the first one, your story. Moses told the story, the amazing story of how he got released. Uh, God released him from uh, the Egyptians. Um, and that story he told and told and told and he told it to his father-in-law. And as you see when you read this, his father-in-law came to faith because of the story praise be to the lord says the father-in-law now i know that the lord is greater than all other gods isn't that amazing so i just stop pause think what's your story where has god done amazing things in your life how are you telling that when people come around your house how are you telling that? How are you getting your story out? When people say, so how's work for you? How's life for you? How can you authentically and uh, in a cool way, not in a kind of proud way or a uh, way that makes you look a bit super spiritual, just gently bring in what God has done for you. Maybe you do it through the words, but also think of other ways, through pictures, through rhyme, through poetry, through podcasts, through uh, TikTok, through uh, songs, through craft, through writing, through Facebook. There are so many ways now we can tell our story and I'd encourage you to tell your story. And two top tips which might help. One, be authentic. Moses, it says, um, told them also about the hardships uh, and how God had saved them from that. There's really good theology there. Uh, life is hard for all of us. Life is hard right now. Just saying, yeah, God is great, my life's perfect, everything's blessed, actually is inauthentic, and no one who, who's lived on this earth will, will absorb that. Uh, God did amazing things in my life back then. Look how he saved me. Look how he's done cool stuff. These are some definite miracles. Since then, I've been wandering around in the desert. It's kicking hot, and I'm still not in the promised land. I'm fed up of COVID and this hot weather and everything else. Um, but God has saved me. God was in those hardships as well. That's really authentic. That's the first thing. Um, and the second thing is actually, I love it when uh, Jethro, the father-in-law, comes to faith. He says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Uh, and also, he, is, um, he did this to those who the, is, uh, the Egyptians treated arrogantly. There's something about people believing in our God when they realise he's a God of justice. These were an oppressed people and God released them from oppression. When we tell the story of our God uh, and we, we tell, the God, tell of God standing up for the poor, okay, that's the kind of God I want to believe in. Instinctively, we're people of a justice 
and we want to believe in that. So as we tell our stories, the gospel has we all have a responsibility to carry on this baton of the gospel. It's been passed to us by Moses. It's been passed to us by all four gospel writers. Uh, in Revelation, it says about the, the church grew through the testimony of the saints. And so, too, we have a responsibility to pass on the baton of our story and tell this amazing story of God, what he's done in our life, Jesus, what he means to us. And so continue the faith. So point number one, incredible stories, uh, encourage faith. How can we tell our story? How can you tell your story? How can you make an altar of it? How can you uh, make sure it's marked so it doesn't get lost? Uh, poetry, Facebook, uh, craft, music, paintings, TikTok, Instagram, writings, and on words, prepare your story for people. Um, just take a moment to think about that and if you've got a pen and paper just write that down. What stories have you got in the hardships and the great times? Remember them now. Make a note of them. Write them down. Just going to read some verses as you think about that. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships and how he had been saved from them. It's really good theology there about suffering actually. You don't have to answer why. Life will involve hardships. God will save you through them. Let's pray as you're thinking about this, that that will lead people to their faith being strengthened. Because Jethro said, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. For he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. That's a wonderful thing. Tell your story, mark it, write it down, repeat it time and time again, as the Israelites did in Psalms. They told the story in many, many times in the scriptures keep telling the stories that encourages faith it inspires faith point two so uh he's met jethro his father-in-law he's shared his story jethro's come to faith uh moses must be really tempting Look, I'm, I'm leading all these people i'm i'm really am the, the you know the man around here i've got it i've just led you to faith i know all there is to know and yet jethro uh stops and gives him some advice and moses has the humility to take that advice Think about Moses. He's a big cheese. He's uh, just led these people out of uh, Israel. He's heard God's voice. Uh, he's got a lot of things right directly from God. Most of the people around him probably do as he asks. He's probably got a range of servants helping him out. Um, yet he still had the humility to listen to his father-in-law. Um, so it's a really simple point. But who speaks into your life? Who do you have around you able to critique you? I'm no doubt loads of people around Moses just did as he was told and found it very hard to critique him. Who in your team is able to challenge you? Do you create a culture where people can challenge? Do you allow that person who thinks differently from you to have their say and to think, all oh, right, well, hmm, okay, I need to think about that from their perspective. I need to take on board what they're saying and we will grow through the diversity of thought here. Um, 
Who do you have outside your team or your people you can go to who are wiser than you? And you listen to them, you humble yourself and you say, I need to learn from you. Um, who is there? Who is it? Um, put them around you. If the only people speaking into your life are affirming you and saying, yes, you're doing great, which, which we all need, then that's, uh, that's bordering on sycophancy, isn't it? That's, you've just got some sycophants around you. But people that can speak to you, people that can challenge you, people that you can tell you you're being a, a jerk from time to time is really important if you want to grow. And now time just to reflect on that second really simple point. Uh, it's really simple to understand, but may we bring it into our lives, may we actually make it happen in our lives. Um, Jethro said to me, listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. Jethro was really wanted Moses to do well. Those people around us, are they for us? Do they really love us or are they just trying to score points with us? Do you know that they're for you? Uh, do you have a, do you love them? And are you allowing them to speak into your lives? Think who you've got. As you think, maybe there's someone else you can build into your armory of people that can build a relationship with, that you can be accountable to, that you can talk through your deepest problems with, that you can share what it's really like to be in your shoes and the responsibilities you've got, what it's like to be a husband, what it's like to be a wife, what it's like to be a mother, what it's like to be a father, what it's like to be an employee. Um, who are those people? And Moses listened to him. And he changed what he did. That's the amazing thing about Moses. He straight away did what Jethro asked him. Great people of faith in the Bible. They, they heard God and they did it. They heard God and they did it. I always think of Joseph. When he heard the angel, bang, he went off and did it. That requires humility and trust. Who do we have to speak into our lives? Point three. Um, are you feeling the strain? I'll go back to this point I made earlier. Moses was working from morning till evening. He was feeling the strain. It was a heavy load he was carrying. He couldn't continue. Jethro realised that and saw that. Um, is that you? Um, it's so easy in this busy world, isn't it? Just to get up early, to be working, 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 working. Family, work, family, bed, zonk into bed at the end of the night. And... Uh, is that sustainable? Is that healthy? Uh, for me, I read this passage and thought, yeah, I get it, delegation. I know, I've heard about delegation loads of times, that's cool. And, but I thought, no, God had to speak to Moses and maybe he's having to speak to me as well. And before I share this video or podcast with you, I thought I've got to have made some changes in my life. I've got to have allowed this word here to speak into my life before I can speak on it. Otherwise, I'm just a hypocrite. If I don't allow the word to change me, so what? And uh, I think it can change us individually and I think it can change us as a church as well. Um, letting go of things, delegating stuff emotionally, that's a really difficult thing. And uh, I know a typical morning to, for me might be I'm up well before six, I do an hour's work, I walk the dog, I make a cup of tea, I have something to eat, I clear the dishwasher, I have a shower and I get into work for eight o'clock, do another hour's work before nine o'clock. That's not uncommon for me. I'm not saying that as a boast. I can be exhausted by nine o'clock. Well, what good is that? And I thought about this. How, what, what, can, what simple things can I do? And I thought I've got three children. I empty the dishwasher most mornings. I'm going to ask each of my children one morning in the working week to empty the dishwasher. 
takes me five minutes. I've instituted that now in the Walker family. And the first time that happened was this morning. And uh, I was next door. I was actually praying and reading my Bible as I heard the clanking of plates and stuff like that. And as I did that, I felt, oh, I felt real guilt. Oh, I should be doing that. That's my job. I've always done that. Don't young people have enough pressures in life without me adding to them? Hasn't COVID been hard enough already on my daughters and my son? And here I am, a cruel dad, adding more weight onto their lives. I thought, no, I'm now praying. Not very well, not very long, but at least I'm praying for this morning. I'm not saying I'll do it tomorrow morning. Uh, I have to allow the word to change me. But delegation or letting go is an emotional barrier. Sometimes you feel guilty. Sometimes you feel bad. Sometimes you don't want to ask someone to do work. You feel bad about that. Uh, sometimes they don't like you for it. I, I got the evils this morning. Um, still, it's right to release some of that load off me. That's the first thing. The second thing, I was sharing this with Rach about this, you know, what I was going to talk on. And she goes, yes, no, Ed, look at me. But Rach is much better at delegating me on so many levels. She is amazing. And she goes, Ed, sometimes I had to let you look after the kids. So Rachel Walker let her husband look after her children. Sometimes her husband forgot the snacks. Sometimes her husband forgot the nappies. Sometimes her husband forgot the water. Often he forgot all three. But she still let her husband look after her precious children. Done many things wrong in that time. Uh, but the main objective has been fulfilled. Rach could have looked after the children better than me, but our children are still alive. I haven't been the cause of death of any of them. Alleluia. And uh, I've traumatised them a few times. Not a problem. I'll pray for their counselling when they get into their 20s. Um, and maybe I've given them something that Rach couldn't have given them as well. But there's an emotional barrier to letting go. It's a challenge. Often that person you give that work to won't do it as well as you do it almost certainly won't do it the same way you do it. I've no doubt when Moses delegated stuff, there's some bad decisions made by those judges. No doubt about that. He had to let go in order for him to, got to give up to go up. And I thought, I've got to do something at work. I've got to do something at work. I have a few inboxes that auto forward my emails into my inbox. And I thought, Stop that. One of those does not need to come into my inbox. It's not really that important. Most of the emails are kind of a junk or I can delete or quickly forward to someone else. Don't, I don't need it. I've stopped it coming to my inbox. I used to think, actually, that's fine. I quite like this. I come back from a meeting, I've got 15 emails, bang, 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 get through it really quickly. I quite like mental agility. I quite like the buzz it gives me. Uh, actually, that's using up my energy. It's unnecessary. It's a false god that I'm worshiping. It's a vacuous idol if you think having lots of emails is important somehow, you know, subconsciously what's going on for me and you, if that's the case. Something that likes working fast, something that likes working hard, something that likes working long. That is a vacuous idol and it will chronically punish you because it keeps whipping you and whipping you with more work and more work and more work. And it tells you you're doing really well because you're working really hard and really fast and really long. And No, 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 that's not necessary. Since not having that inbox, 
I can focus much more clearly during my day. Hallelujah. That's great. I'm looking at the things that are important for me to look at in a much more focused way. But there's an emotional cost to that. And we have to recognise our emotional barriers to letting go, to giving up, to delegating. So reflection on the third point. The first point, of course, was to uh, tell our stories, tell our stories, tell our stories. The second point was uh, be humble enough to have people around us that can advise us. And the third point I just want to reflect on a little bit um, and apply it directly not only to our personal lives, our work lives, but also absolutely to our church lives. Because I really believe that when Moses was able to delegate this, his mind was filled from morning till night. He was under great strain. He couldn't think of anything other than the day-to-day caseload of cases that he had to judge. When he got rid of that, bang, his leadership exploded and then he could lead the Israelites on. So too, I believe, for us, our church, if we can delegate, all of us delegate and build people up below us, so too our God can move us forward into what he wants Bretton Baptist to be, nearer to that promised land. So on a personal level, what, what can you give, give up? Maybe to a spouse, maybe just don't do, maybe to your children. Uh, at work, what can you give up? Who can you empower others to do something underneath you? Uh, there's loads of good practical advice actually on delegation here, but I, I didn't want to focus on that. I wanted to focus on the emotional barriers to delegation, which exist in everyone. There are loads of others that I haven't mentioned. What are your emotional barriers to delegation? Maybe you don't want people below you to do better than you. That's difficult, isn't it? True leadership is allowing people to below you to uh, shine even brighter than you. Um, what can you give up? How can you empower others at work? Um, and at church, I want to just ask these questions. If you've been running uh, worship, can you let someone else lead? If you've been doing the children's work, how can you build someone else up below you? If you've been leading a home group, three years, four years, five years, if it's the same home group now, it was, well, it's not growing. How can you give that over to someone else and start a new home group? So then that grows as well. Build up the leaders underneath you. So you're not having to be the leader of that home group. Push it down. Give up to go up. Youth, how can you get some more youth workers around you? If you're doing the cafe at church, who else can you give this to? Someone else from the community can help. Uh, what about the media? How are we training people of the media? What about leadership? Uh, how are we training up the spiritual leaders in the church and delegating responsibility, not just tasks to them? What about the gardening? Loads of people would love gardening. I know people who'd love to do help out with the gardening. Moving chairs around the church. I can think of people that love to move around the chairs. And then you can devote more time to prayer. Um, and I, I, This is a really simple message, I know that. But if we take this on our personal lives, we will have more space for God. And if we can get this in church effectively delegated, we can hear from God. We can go up higher into the mountains. We can move forward. We can have greater spiritual leadership having effectively delegated. Is God asking us or you individually to effectively delegate so you can move up and the church can move forward? Jesus, as far as I could tell, was always slinking off to a cheeky mountain here or there, nipping away to the sea 
or a beautiful lake or something like that. When was the last time you went to the mountains or the sea or a lake? Snowdonia and Lake District are less than four hours from Peterborough. Far easier for us to reach them than it was for Jesus to get up a mountain. Sunny Honey is just one hour from here. You can leave after church, have a cheeky picnic, go for a lovely long walk, get a fish and chips, and be back in time for Strictly. Or, I mean, prayer praise at 7.45. Um, or here, I'm less than two miles from the church. And it's a beautiful place, beautiful spot, up a hill. And when I'm here, the, I've decluttered my life. The airwaves, the bandwidth between me and God has expanded. And I find myself, my heart wants to sing. I want to praise the Lord, say, Lord, forget not all your benefits. This is wonderful. Get in God. This is amazing. What a creation you've created. And so I'm liaising with God in a fresh way, in a real way. Moses also slunk away after he delegated all that stuff. Just two chapters later, he went up a mountain, he came back down and he proclaimed the Ten Commandments. In the process of doing that, in the process of welcoming his father-in-law, listening, humbly obeying what his father had advised, decluttering his life, he then went up a mountain and God was able to uh, bring him more fully into the flourishing spiritual being that he wanted him to be, the spiritual leader that he wanted to be, so that he had an influence spanning 4,000 miles and years across billions of people. He's had a moral influence, influencing people's conscience. Wow, that's cool. But he had to declutter first. And so for me personally, so for us corporately, if we want to reach that promised land, if we want to grow into our spirituality, what God wants us to be, to flourish uh, into more fully how he wants us to be, let's turn that chapter on its head. Let's declutter, let's humble ourselves, let's listen to people, and let's tell this incredible story time and time again, and disciple the nations as Moses did before us. Amen.